I hope we're somebody's parasocial relationship. I do too. If you're too. out there and you listen, you're listening, and it's uh, you're just sitting in a basement or in a studio apartment, and you you need your two gays to talk to you every week. I'm glad we're here for I'm you. I'm so glad that we're here for you. Honestly, that would that means everything to me. Like no yes. tea, no shade. Like I'm like being sure. super genuine. Yeah, that'd be cool. Now go put some deodorant on, and clean up the kitchen. Or not, because an ice age is coming. Yeah, honestly, yeah, we're all about to dive in. (laughs) (laughs) Tom York, is that you? Now came talk. Talk, talk. everyone hi hi welcome back it's another episode of your favorite podcast straight people movies and in case you forgot this is the podcast where each week we two gays we get together we talk about a movie that was made specifically for straight people and we ask (laughs) why we ask oh the humanity oh the humanity of it all why why (laughs) why god why why god why and then as we're like the second why and why God why um, we freeze to death and uh, we freeze like to, what? arms arms in the air like Rocky and then we just what? and it's gorgeous oh my god I would beautiful. be so mad if I died in not a gorgeous pose oh yeah no bitch if if you find my dying corpse lay me out like I'm you know like in a in a Vogue editorial I want to do like Miss Thing from audition me. for the phone call yes and then just like hair down like. Yes. Just like looking at my knees. Yes. Love it. I want to do Jennifer Connelly in the bathtub and uh, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, or gorgeous. Or Perfect Blue. <laughs> yes. Gorgeous. That's like how you a, find Like me. a fetal, like kind of oh, scream yes. into the abyss. Oh, also, gorgeous. like, can you get it? I, want, I, want, I need a big boy bathtub like that. I know. Oh, my God, Dylan. Like, I, I, I was so happy when you tweeted this the other day. <laughs> I'm a big proponent for sitting in the shower. Like, Thank you. I don't understand. When I tell people this, they think I'm crazy. And I'm like, but when you're in Same. a bathtub, you sit in it. Yeah. So what's wrong with sitting down in the shower? Like, I don't Nothing. get why people think it's weird. I think it's super peaceful, super meditative. Like, I yes. love, like, feeling the shower, like, hitting the back of my neck as I'm, like, looking uh, down. Yes. And, like, water. Yes. Go down. It's just so nice. Yes. Um, I love like laying down in the shower when I have to get up really early in the morning and just like taking a little like 10 minute nap like while I'm like kind of still waking up. It's a, the my language, best. It's the best. It's, if you, in this podcast, we love two things. I hear Huckabees and sitting down in the shower. It, everyone should try it. And also this might sound crazy to some of you, but this is my double approach. Sitting down in the shower in the dark. I was just fucking about to say Dylan. You, you roll a towel up, you hide the little crease in the light in the bottom Dark shower. Oh my god, I love dark showers. And luckily because I have to get up early for work now, and it's still this time that we're in, it's like dark when I'm uh, taking Mm -hmm. a shower. So I, like, nothing in my mind truly is more peaceful than sitting down in the shower in the dark. It is like, oh my god, it's like, it's my, it's my me time. It's incredible. It's It's incredible. Absolutely. Everyone try it. Everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I'm so glad I met somebody else. I feel like I've only met a couple other people ever in my whole life that are, like, with me on this. We found each other, Kirk. I know, I'm Dylan. Touching wow. you through the webcam. I can't believe it took us so long. I it took know. us so long. Oh my god, I feel, I've never felt more connected to you than in Thank this you. moment. Same, same. Dark showers. Oh, that's, that's actually the Guypo Award winner this week. Is dark showers. Dark showers. We're like day after tomorrow doesn't get to win anything. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of, before we get into the movie, we should probably oh, introduce yeah. ourselves. Probably. Um, I'm Kirk Van Sickle. 
I'm Dylan Garcy. And this is a very exciting episode because it marks our one year anniversary of Straight People Movies. Ah! Do not look at the episode numbers and see that they're still in the 40s. We did take a couple weeks off and also I did lose our um, Fight Club episode. But yeah, one year. One year. Wow. One year ago, we sat down at our computers. We talked about Drive. Don't go listen to that episode. It's not good. No. Absolutely not. It is our most played. (laughs) Yeah, and then half of y'all went... Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, but it's been such a journey. I'm, it's been such I've a loved every, every, every episode. There's so been, much fun. There's been high highs. Mm-hmm. There's not really been any low lows. No. So that's pretty t- good. Yeah. I think it's mostly highs. It's been and mostly highs. That's sustainable. Damn. My Look therapist would be really proud of me. She would be. Or oh, he. Or he, they. Actually. I specifically looked for a male therapist because I felt like I needed a sensitive male figure in my life. Honestly. Sorry, dad. Sorry. (laughs) I honestly have only, no, I had a male therapist, but it was before I got like bipolar figured out. I need a male therapist now. It's weird. I like, I hate to like, you know, get into gender politics, but I do think that like, at least for me personally, like it was so important that I had like a male, like an older male figure that I could talk about like my feelings with and not feel like alienated by that. Like it was so important to me because I can, I can kiki with a girl. I can kiki with a woman. That's the thing. It's, it's so fucking psychotic, but I also, I'm like the, like if I talk to like a female therapist or woman therapist, it's always like, oh yeah, I'm I'm just with my girlies. Yeah. No, it like really, talk, it, it yeah, really it makes a difference, just, Dylan. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I loved my therapist. I saw him on and off for eight years, and then the pandemic hit, and we tried a phone call, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I need mm-hmm. in-person therapy. It just doesn't feel the same. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved him. He was so great. Lee, you're the best. I miss you. We miss you, Lee, um, baby. He taught me so many great skills and coping mechanisms and was also, like, super sweet. And literally, like, I would say some shit to him sometimes, and he would just be like – like, I would say things to shock him with my histrionic ass, and he would just be like <laughs> – like literally like okay. you're fine girl like literally yeah. you're fine like you're like you're like normal crazy it's fine and i was like yeah. okay that's not necessarily what i wanted to hear but i guess that's a good thing <laughs> you wanted him to fully just like take out his handkerchief and go oh my oh yeah, i do no, declare I him to be like i do declare <laughs> exactly but that's the thing about therapists right they don't do that and that's they that's don't their, declare that's, that's what they that's their charm i love it speaking of uh, spiraling out of control we're talking about a movie yes that uh, spirals out of control. And by spiral, I mean like hurricane like spiral. Like actual like spiral. Like there's spirals in the air. And they're, they're full of weather. Yeah. They're and, spiraling and, over Earth. And just like the way we're describing the weather and how we don't understand how it works, the director <laughs> of this movie, who is a fact too, also doesn't seem to understand how weather works. Oh, mama. Okay, so I know we said it last week with Jackass is our gayest movie. <laughs> I know, but what's weird about this movie is it's not like our gayest movie, but it's like... It's like the it's like a closeted gay man oh. of a movie. So you know? it's one of the so we always, I feel like we always say like just because you like it doesn't make it mean it's gay. I feel like this is one of those movies. Well, yeah, because I just got off Letterbox and everyone hates this movie. It's so much fun. It's, it's so, so good. This movie we're talking about the day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow. It's so good. Come on, everyone! What are you? What is wrong with this movie? Nothing. It's so. It's so fucking stupid. This movie is so stupid. It's so stupid, but it's, it's thrilling. So it's fun. Yeah. You're on the edge of your seat. There's mm-hmm. hot men everywhere. Yes. Literally, pop, the whole movie's populated with them. Yes. What more do you want? There's Celia Ward, who truly all she does is look just distraught the whole time, but gorgeous. About, gorgeous. She's Celia Ward. Like, what more do you want? It's. Here, let's get into the description. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to talk about this movie because, like, honestly, like, I truly, like, this might be one of my favorite movies we've done. 
Yes, hell like, yeah. straight yes. up. Yes, let's go, baby. Yeah. All right, so um, in honor of Moonfall, which is uh, Roland Emmerich's film that's currently flopping hard, uh, and also Don't Look Up, uh, the Adam McKay Netflix climate change parable, we're discussing 2004's The Day After Tomorrow, which stars Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal, Celia Ward, Emmy Rossum, Ian Holm, and just Mother Earth. Mother, Mother Earth Gaia. herself, mama. She's there. She is she's, there. She's probably the lead of this movie. Um, and and I, I wrote I wrote the uh, the plot because I, I think you might have accidentally forgotten to do it. Oh, I definitely did. Uh, so Dennis Quaid, <laughs> Dennis Quaid plays a climatologist uh, who tries to warn the world about a second ice age due to some mumbo jumbo about the ocean currents and polar ice caps, but no one listens to him. Surprisingly, uh, essentially he ends up being right, and the whole world gets destroyed by an insane storm. Meanwhile, his son, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, is stuck in the New York Public Library with a girl he likes. People live, but mostly everyone dies. Yep. Beautiful. And uh, it's available to stream on HBO Max. It's that thing. I don't know if I like, I don't know if I like eloquently displayed it on Twitter, but here I want to air my grievances real quick. Whenever I look up a movie that's like Day After Tomorrow streaming or blank streaming, and it says available to watch on Hulu, and I go to Hulu, and it says you can watch this with an HBO login, that is not available on Hulu. That is not, that's not that no, means it has I, to be. Do you have Apple TV? I do have Apple TV. It's so annoying. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess they have like a little, they have like a, they have like a little thing with like, they're like cool with Netflix. They're cool with Hulu. So when you mm-hmm. look things up on like their service, they like show you those. But if it's on HBO yeah. Max, Criterion or any other ones, no, they man. don't tell you. And I I'm like, that's so annoying. Like, I Just understand that y'all are all at odds with each other, but like make your fucking, like when Siri finally allowed you to play music on Spotify on your iPhone oh by talking to it, I was really like, thank God it's only taken 10 years. Because mm-hmm. before I'd be like, you need to start an Apple Music subscription. I'd be like, <laughs> fuck you. I want to play that. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to be safe. I'm trying to do hands-free while I'm in the car. And you're not yeah. letting me. You're not fucking not letting me. me do it. Because you're yeah. too busy being like, but Spotify is. Who is she? Like, what is Spotify? Yeah, what? Spotify? We don't like Spotify. No, shut the fuck up, Apple. Play it. Shut up. Just play it. Play it. Play My Woman by Angel Olsen. Siri, please. <laughs> you're like, play Harvest by Neil Young. Um, All right. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. HBO yes, Max. I hate it. I hate that shit. We'll, HBO we'll, Max we'll rules. We'll save you the time. We'll save you the time. It's on HBO Max. It is not on Hulu. It's on HBO Max. Anyway, Day After Tomorrow. What a this movie. movie whips ass. What Great movie. movie. It's Incredible so good. Movie. It's I so good. truly, I will say that like, it's not perfect by any means, obviously. God, no. I mean, I think the biggest thing people dislike about it is that scientifically, it like even as someone that doesn't give a shit about science, it makes zero sense. None. And it's completely impossible. But... Who cares? It's a fun, <laughs> schlocky, cheesy mm-hmm. disaster movie. Oh, yeah. What more do you want, people? What more do you want? It starts at 100. And, and it, it goes up from there. And it goes up from there. And 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 one of my favorite things about Roland Emmerich, and I, I think this might be one of his better better films. from the one, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of them, but this one's Same. definitely one of the best ones because it's the cheese factor works for me where it's like everyone ends up being a hero in this movie. Mm -hmm. It feels so good to watch a movie where like even the villain who's the vice president in this movie ends up being good at the end. Yeah. I'm like, yay. Okay. Finally. So like it's watching that scene. You know what I think is like interesting is like compared to don't look up where it's like don't look up. Doesn't really take into consideration like America's place in this entire crisis. Whereas like at the end of this movie, when the vice president is like, I'm sorry, we're sorry. And also like, we are now in the safe hands of people that we basically fucked over. Countries already fucked over, like third world countries, and now they're giving us hospitality. Thank you so much. Honestly, Whereas, like, like, yeah, it made me tear up a bit. 
Love it. Honestly, like, and I know that, like, you can tell, like, I mean, it wasn't surprising when I read the wiki, but, like, Roland Emmerich is, like, a bleeding heart, like, progressive liberal. Mm-hmm. And you get that sense from the movie. And I, what I love about The Day After Tomorrow, especially now that it's been so long since it's been out, is mm-hmm. that it's such a, like, a post-9-11 movie. It's yes. such a, like, this is, like, when global warming, we were still using the term global warming when this movie came uh, out, right? An Inconvenient and, Truth was around this time. It takes all those things. You've got like a George W. Bush lookalike as president who's even hotter than George W. Bush. Oh Sorry, my God, George W. Yes. Bush is hot. Like, let's just he get that so out, of the way. Let's out of the way. Um, but like, it's just one of those things where like the movie really does a good job, I think, even if it's like silly and earnest of just addressing all the different anxieties that we're having as a country, but also as the earth together. Yeah. And it really like doesn't exploit these things that we're terrified of, but actually like finds hope and finds yeah. a way to make it like a thrilling movie with a message. And by the end of it, you're like, hey, even though this would never happen in real life, it's nice to think that we would all band together. Like we would all do the right thing and we would yeah. all like try to like get through this together. And it's just sometimes nice to watch a movie like that. Yes. You know, yes. like, can we have nice things? We can have some nice things. Why can't we watch a bunch of people die and then also still feel good afterwards? <laughs> you know, And die like horribly. Oh yeah, so bad. Like, the way people die in this movie is... Uh, LA just gets I'm sorry girl That's what's gonna happen no, to you No I gotta say girl When that LA shit was going on <laughs> I was like wow I made a mistake moving here Because it's like in the, in the Later in the movie They're like Texas is fine Like Florida's gonna be fine And I was like damn I fucked up Yep you Like I should have stayed in Texas Like everybody's ass in Texas Is like nothing's happening here This is great It's just gonna snow a little bit Great <laughs> Yeah, great. Meanwhile, yeah. LA has a bunch of tornadoes destroying the entire city. Luckily, I did look at the skyline and I, I've become familiar enough with the city to know like how far away that scene was. It's mm-hmm. about like a 15, 20 minute drive from here. So I was like, okay. that looked more like West Side downtown LA getting its shit <laughs> fucked up. I'm a little further away from there. Yeah. So maybe I'd be okay. But those quarter mile diameter tornadoes that there were like 12 of. They're not going to touch me, baby. I mean, I was literally downtown yesterday at a museum. So, like, literally the area that was getting fucked was, like, where I was at. Like, Shit. Yeah. So, that was a little <laughs> weird. And I'm still getting used to watching movies and recognizing or just knowing that everything that I'm watching is, like, set where I live. It's, yeah. It's that's cool, wild. but it's also weirdly surreal. Like, I'm like. I can imagine. I'm like, oh, that's, like, right down the street. <laughs> it's know? like whenever we were watching, whenever we watched, like, uh, fuck, what's that movie called? Light, waking Life, whatever. And, like, I spent, like, so much time maybe, like, trying to figure out where in Austin everyone was, like, oh. through the cartoon shit. I was like, this is all I have. Literally everyone that lives in Austin, like, just watches Slacker going, like, oh, that's West Campus. Oh, that's, like, 6th Street. Oh, that's, like, that's, like, that area. That's that street. Like, you literally don't, I mean, there's nothing to pay attention to the movie. No. But. Well, okay, so we were watching, we'll get back, to, this is Faggy, so it's related to Roland Emmerich. Um, but we were watching music videos a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago. I'm, I'm going to do this as a stand-up time logic. The other day, uh, I was watching the music videos, and I put on Ryan Cabrera's On the Way Down, co-starring Ashley Simpson, as one should. You know that movie? That movie? It is a movie. It's a film. That four-minute-long film takes place in? That's right. Austin, baby. Oh, wow. It's all in Austin for no reason. Yeah. They're just walking down 6th Street. They're on parking garages. Yeah, it's great. That's so cute. I love that. That's all we yeah, have. No, we have what, Slacker. What, I will say that like in Austin, it's more exciting because less things are set there. And I feel like I'm excited because I just moved here. But everyone else in this fucking city is just like, so what? So bored. So like that's right. the, that's the funny part about living here is I feel like they like love it, though. They like love how like earnest and like 
like excited yeah. I am to be here, but like everyone else that I talk to is so like, yeah, like whatever. Whatever. Yeah, we I mean under the Silver Lake, like I live there. I'm it's about like, the Silver Lake. It's like whatever. Whatever. Well, but also it makes sense because everyone I meet is somehow involved in the media, like in of some course. way, or they like are best friends with or dating somebody that like works in the media. So it's of like course. they're so used to being around like celebrities and like actors and like production mm. that like to them this is like they're like what this is our lives yeah. and i'm over here like oh my god like i gave karen <laughs> kusama like tacos the other day like, cool. i would have fucking killed myself no, no i did like, i did oh my god but literally like no one like cared and i gave zach guilford tacos too like, <gasps> like, mass. And uh, I, I also found out that one of my coworkers, like he's leaving but one of my coworkers was in dear white people the tv show like he was like oh, one of cool. the characters yeah. on the show and i like That's literally cool. was like telling another coworker, i was like yeah like i finally like I like couldn't figure it out, but I finally figured out like where our coworkers from, and they were just like, okay, girl, we've been new. They're like, um, we, don't, we don't care. Quick cue before we get back to the movie: Has anyone clocked you for having a Texas accent yet? No, but every time I say y'all, I can see people wincing. Like I can like tell they <laughs> wince. Like they're like, Ugh, like why are you saying y'all? Like I think they think I'm doing it ironically because I don't really feel like I have that thick of an accent. Like I have more mm-hmm. of like just a like American gay. gay. <laughs> boy voice yeah um so yeah no one's clocked me for that yet but yeah overall that's that's the biggest one i say y'all and people are like Ugh, like they're like y'all it's used guys um okay there's no culture here no culture here god no roland emmerich roland emmerich what a faggot i love him. what a faggot and you can tell from this movie he is a faggot yeah uh, I, I think thing. him I... and schumacher are two like 90s gay directors who like got away with murder it was like the holy trifecta i feel like there's like one more more we're missing to like make a holy trifecta is it Uh, well the thing is we don't want to say it's it's, because it's brian singer oh it is brian singer it's brian singer yeah it's brian singer and he's like the most acclaimed of the three it's brian singer but that's what's annoying it's annoying that like this like pedophile like is the most well-liked movie wise and then like people still haven't give joel schumacher who's dead by the way his yes. flowers and people are mm-hmm. not gonna be roland emmerich his flowers it's annoying they, should, it's really honestly i would love to see roland emmerich do a marvel movie or like a, he actually he wouldn't do good marvel he would do good dc Mm. I would love to see him do yeah, that. Yeah, like he would a, do like a good DC movie. Yeah, I don't get it. Oh, I, yeah. I truly, after watching this, and I understand that like all of his like last like ten movies have all been flops and really bad. Yes. I um, but also people hated 2012. I thought that movie was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I just don't really understand the hate. I'm gonna be honest. Like I get that it's, it's like cheesy and I get that it's like nonsensical, but like you could tell there's like a heart there and like mm-hmm. he cares. It's like a cool balance. It's like that's what Spielberg does, right? He makes like spectacle yeah. movies that also like have a heart. And I don't understand like why everyone's so against Roland Emmerich's like style. And I feel like well, because it's like if you take like the two those two like Venn diagrams sort of thing, like Spielberg does spectacle and heart at like these like at scale sort of thing, where it's like the heart is as big as its spectacle, and they're both like human scale ish. Where like like War of the Worlds is kind of like this oversized thing but it's only set in one corner of the world and it's about like one specific family whereas this movie is about the entire fucking world is melting down right now uh we're gonna have people from five different states we're gonna follow like 12 different plot lines and so everything is just grander and more fantastic and more fabulous 
yeah, and, and, I, world. and I guess that the reason why people criticize his movies is because he looks at it in such a big scale. It makes the characters have to be very stock character. Yes. And like they're not real. But I don't mind that. I feel like no. I'm okay with Dennis Quaid's character being this like stock, like no one listened to me character and now I'm going to go save my son because I'm just like perfect in every way. My only flaw is that I'm just like not there enough because I'm too busy trying to save the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his logic of we're in North Philadelphia and we're trying to get to Manhattan. Let's walk. Yeah, that was crazy. That was that's actually the most nonsensical thing about that. That's movie. the most insane thing. Honey, uh, absolutely not. But like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like, oh, he's like smart and hot and mm-hmm. basically tries to save everyone's lives. And every idea that he has ends up working great. And like, mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite things about Roland Emmerich, and it, it, it's in 2012 and it's in, in his other films, is that most survivalist disaster movies are always like, oh, the intellectual is going to die. And it's only like the rugged Republicans that are going to mm-hmm. live. So, like, let's say a good example of that would be, like, uh, like Train to Busan is a good uh-huh. example. Like, Train to Busan is, like, oh, like, people that actually have skills, people that actually can, like, hit people. Like, people that, like, are physically, like, mm-hmm. in top shape, they're the ones that are going to survive, like, fuck all the bookish little worms. But what I yeah. love about The Day After Tomorrow is that it's the smart people, the people that studied in school yeah. and the ones that are educated. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I know this. Oh, I know that payphones can do this because I'm, like, a nerd. And, like, yeah. it's, a, it's like nerds in his movies end up actually saving the world because they know so much. And I think yeah. that that's cool because you don't see that a lot in, like, action movies. No. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why straight people... Maybe we just did a gay movie and this is why straight people don't like it or people <laughs> criticize this movie because they don't like that it's like a bunch of like nerds that it are is a nerd. and but and there's also like a spectrum of nerds. So you have like the Jake Gyllenhaal and Emmy Rossum and the other guy I unfortunately don't know. Uh, they like know everything, but then like all like the adults are like, We can't burn books morally and it's like mama Put your morals behind you. We're trying to stay alive right now. But even like the part where they're like arguing, like I love those two side characters. The one that yeah. they like argue about Nietzsche, and he's like yeah. some like he's just some like loser who like I don't know like reads the New York Times, and she's like a feminist, and they're like arguing about Nietzsche, love and then it. he interrupts them and it's like we could just burn these fucking textbooks, like yeah, <laughs> like there's like I just like that the movie like it's like cheesy, but there's a solution that works to everything that makes sense, and you're just mm-hmm. like. At least as for me as a viewer, I'm like, oh, yeah, that option makes the most sense. That's what they should do. Yeah. There's, like, a way around everything that, like, and I, I liked that. It's simple, maybe, mm-hmm. and it doesn't create the kind of chaos that a movie like Train to Busan or, like, 28 Days yeah. Later creates. But, like, it's a fantasy that feels good to watch, yet mm-hmm. still will freak you out, like, the first half, I will say the second half of this movie is not as strong as the first mm-hmm. because the first half when all the storms were happening and like LA is destroyed and like the tidal wave coming through New York. Terrifying. Oh, yeah, such a good scene. Terrifying. Even though that woman's like, I left my passports in a taxi cab. Yeah, what and the he's fuck, like, I'll bitch? Get... Mama, girl, society's over. We're all dying. Yeah, honey, don't worry about your fucking passport. Sorry, you're... the passport's literally the last thing you need. But uh, I just like, I love the first half. It's very thrilling. Like, and I would say in the second half, like that's when it starts getting into Ridiculousville, where it's like the mm. wolves oh, the sequence evil like, wolves. sticks out. The wolves really stick out because, like, not only is yeah. the sequence only lasts like five minutes, so it's like, why is it even in the movie? But it's also the most like insane idea that they came up with. Yeah. It's like so wolves escape from the public zoo and then attack Jake Gyllenhaal and his like boys while they're getting penicillin from a ship that ended up like. <laughs> But like we're saying, as I'm saying these words, I'm like, God, like this movie is so grandiose and and it is gay because it's so, it's like an opera. Like you're like, this is ridiculous. Well, and that's what opera is. It's like people just like very loudly proclaiming their emotions and their intense. This is a soap opera. You're never guessing. There's none of that like 
Walking Dead bullshit where you got one person like trying to go against the group and like no. fuck everything up. Literally like the group that like ends up walking away from the library and freezing to death. It's like tragic in the movie because it's like you understand like this, why this one group would be like, you know what? This is what the choice we've decided to make. Jake mm-hmm. Jolan does his best to stop them and then they die. But we don't get to yeah. see this like Lord of the Fly style like back and forth <laughs> bullshit that every kind of movie like no, this it's, does. It's two sentences. It's like, you should go. We're going to go. And he's like, no, you shouldn't. And they're like, well, we're going to go anyway. And Jack's like, I, that's, that's why, it. That's it why I 30 like seconds. 2012, I think is a bit more intense than this because 2012 has a lot more of that pushback. Like mm-hmm. 2012's plot is literally about how the world does end up ending because of like Mayan predictions, whatever, yada, 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 yada. But I think the mm-hmm. coolest part about 2012 is that the whole thing ends up being that the rich people did know that this was going to happen. And they're all getting on like luxury cruises to like survive, yep. like basically like Noah's Ark of the modern day. And all poor people are like, basically like trying to get on the boat and i'm like what a cool like idea like what a cool yeah. idea because that's what would happen that is what yeah. would happen like rich people would be like okay we're piecing out like the rest of y'all are gonna fucking drown that's yeah. what would happen in real life um quick question what at what point would you have given up i don't know i mean the tone of the day after tomorrow like again has this like eager kind of like like you could survive this if you just like listen to Jake Gyllenhaal or Dennis Quaid. Yeah. So I feel like there's a safety to the movie when you're watching it. You're like, I would survive this because I would just go along like with them, you know? Yeah, but in reality, I will like most of the people in this movie, we would all die like instantly. Like we wouldn't even make it to the yeah. second half of the movie. No, you know? I'd be on that bus. Yeah. With the, with the, and then I would just drown in the bus. I just want to freeze to death. That sounds so nice. I mean, it's tough. That sounds I, so chill. It's tough because like in LA, for example, like if you're in a building, you're fucked. Like that mm-hmm. was like the people that were in buildings are the most fucked actually being like underground would have been the best place to be. Right. HL's but in New York, subway system in New York, it's the opposite. They, yeah. it, it floods and you need to be on high ground. So I think that's the, the, the tough thing about the world that's created in this movie is it's like, what is the right answer? Yeah. It's just like, one. if it's raining, probably should get into a high yeah. building. And then if it's like a fucking tornado or a hurricane, like bitch, let's go underground. God, that, like, scene where the wave goes, like, basically to the top of the um, Statue of Liberty. Oh, it's 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 eerie. It's horrifying. Horrifying. That <laughs> horrifying. scene and then the shot of, like, the Statue of Liberty, like, covered in ice. That's, like, the cover love. of the film. Yeah, it felt, so, it felt very Planet of the Apes. I love it. My favorite ridiculous bits, like, the, my favorite camp bits of this movie is the part where the American flag freezes. Oh, so good. That entire freeze sequence was probably the most ridiculous part of the movie. Like, oh, the temperature drops 10 degrees per second, and you're, like, literally visualizing it happening. Yeah, you're, like, nuts. You're, like, wait, so in, like, one minute, it's negative 400 degrees or whatever. Yeah, it's, like, fucking crazy. I love it. And they somehow survive it. It's, like, the happening. I was about to say it's very happening that the wind is coming to get us uh, sort of thing. Yeah, same thing. It's very that. (laughs) It's very that. Um, the happening also great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we should add that to our gay regs. <laughs> we gotta add that. Um, disaster movies. We kind of already talked about it, but like, what are yeah. some movies you think of when you think of disaster movies? Because it is a very I mean, specific subgenre. I mean, I always think of like shit in the seventies, like uh, the Towering Inferno, mm-hmm. shit like that. Does Jaws really count? No, it's like a monster movie. I'm gonna kind of look it up because I do feel like, like outside of Roland Emmerich, like I don't really know much about disaster movies. Well, so like, would you consider like King Kong a disaster movie? I think so. I think like monster yeah. movies, like that's the funny thing is like zombie movies, 
big monster movies, like they all kind of like are in the Venn diagram with disaster. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when I think disaster movie, I do think Roland Emmerich because it's like yes. it's usually nature or aliens or something mm-hmm. very outside of what we can control is yeah. like what's attacking us. Well, the 90s had a really big uh, disaster movie because you also have Deep Impact, you have Armageddon, you have Dante's Peak. A and, lot of, and, role, and of Independence Day, Independence all the Roland Emmerich stuff, yeah. And so I feel like it's like in the 70s. The 80s, I don't really know there was much 80s. Like, oh, the 70s. Have you ever seen the Poseidon Adventure? No, I was actually, I saw it. I've rules. Never, it looks really fun, though. I um, Yeah, so it says that the peak of disaster movies was in the 70s, and there was Airport, which I've never heard of, Poseidon Adventure, Towering mm-hmm. Inferno, Earthquake. Um, So yeah, I guess in the 70s, people were like really scared of shit happening. Yeah. Avalanche. Yeah, so much stuff like this. And then, I mean, yeah, Titanic. 90s revival. Oh, Twister. I think Twister oh, is yes. probably like what, like the ultimate 90s disaster 90s movie. 90s disaster movie, probably. Like, I think, like, probably the ultimate disaster movie, right? Like, it's like Twister and Independence Day are like the big one. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because Twister and Independence Day were such box office successes in the 90s. And I feel like their legacy has just died over time. Although I think yeah. the Independence Day sequel that came out a couple of years ago did really well. Um, it, I saw it for some reason twice opening weekend. Uh, it's not good. It has what's your face from, um, oh fuck, it follows in it. Oh, the girl? The, the main girl? Yeah, the main girl. That's like her follow-up thing, which is Independence Day. Um, yeah, it made $389 million. Not, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it did well. I, You know what? Well. We didn't even think about it. We, there's a, a very famous disaster movie that we've done for the pod. Titanic. Titanic. I think that Titanic might have killed the disaster movie because it's so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can't do How do you beat Like, how this? do you beat that? You can't. You know? So, um, yeah. I think that... For some reason, and I can't tell you why, other than the fact that maybe, like, CGI just being invented, like, maybe people want to do disaster movies. Like, I don't know what, pol- I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what politically was going on or, like, culturally that was oh. going on that maybe people go, like, oh, damn, we got to make a bunch of movies of the world ending. I mean, I guess this is, like, they just, we kind of, yeah, had the beginning of CGI and, like, what we could do with it. And it's like, oh, let's just blow up the world. Let's go crazy. Right. And I mean, like all those disaster movies but that that happened in the seventies, and the people who grew up on those, kind of like now they're in film. Now they have power to make movies that they like. Maybe they grew up, and so their favorite movies growing up were like movies with big casts and disasters. And so it's like, so interesting how that works. Like movies are so obsessed, like because most directors are like in their like thirties and forties by the time mm-hmm. they're like successful. It's like in the nineties, you see so many movies set in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that was the time period that like all the directors grew up in, so it's like yeah. that's why you got like Forrest Gump and like Pleasantville and like all these other movies about the '60s, and then it's the same thing with the '80s, like a lot of '40s, '50s, like mm-hmm. like vibes. Like when you think of like Brazil, Greece, like all of this. Because like, you got married, exactly, and it's so interesting. But it's so funny to me that the '90s were obsessed with like the '60s and some of the '70s, and then the 2000s. I feel like didn't really care. Musically, the 70s were huge. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I saw a lot of movies set in the 70s and the 2000s. Am I wrong? I mean, you have like Boogie Nights and shit. That was like the late 90s. Yeah, and then like, that feels like that feels like an outlier to me. I don't uh, feel like movies were like, movies were so modern in the 2000s. I feel like mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, I think like Starsky and Hutch and like. 
that's it. That's true. Duke's a hazard. So maybe there was some, but overall, I don't really feel like there was as much of a, like, at least on a um, grandiose scale, like a, like, Academy Award winning scale of a 70s thing. And then, of course, the 2010s have been obsessed with the 80s. And, I mean, Mm. mean, look at Stranger Things. I mean, like, it's been intense. And we're now moving into the 90s. The 2020s are going to be all about the 90s. There's doing that that 90s show. Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets. I don't I don't want to go back to the 90s. I'm ready, but I, I also am not ready because the way that the 90s are being portrayed for the most part, I find super cheesy and bad. Like, Fear Street. Like, yo, yo like, I'm sorry. Like, the biggest mistake, and I've read about this a lot on Twitter because I also thought this too. No kid that grows up in a small town, I'm sorry. Like, and even Yellow Jackets, like, it's like a little silly. Like, teenagers in the 90s weren't listening to, like, Bikini Kill and like no. PJ Harvey. They were listening to like the Smashing Pumpkins and like Soundgarden. Yeah. Like, I just think that that's the, my biggest issue with the 90s revival is it's like they want to pretend like all teenagers in the 90s like all listen to like cool music and shit. But it's like music wasn't mm. as accessible then. No. Like, and it's like what was cool music was like Nirvana. And of course yeah. there's that in there because of course you have to bring up fucking Nirvana if anything's set in the 90s and it's so boring. But <sighs> it's just like, I. It's like, I think I go back to like my so-called life, right? Which was set in the 90s, came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, Angela's favorite band is the Cranberries. That, to me, that is real 90s yeah. kids. Like, they yeah. listen to the Cranberries. They didn't listen to fucking, like, Slint. Yeah, they're not fucking listening to, like, Sugar. Like, no one's listened to that. Honey, and I think that that's my, my problem. It's like, yes, I love a Portishead needle drop. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, I'm sorry, you can't set something in small town America in the 90s and be like, oh, they listen to, like, UK trip hop. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. They were listening to Octung Baby by U2. Exactly. They were listening to R.E.M. Like, they weren't. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So I think that's And my not issue. even, like, old R.E.M. Like, cool. They weren't listening to, like, Life's Rich Pageant. They were listening to, like, Green. And that's the problem, right? Is it's like the people that are making these TV shows and movies did grow up in the 90s, so they're being really, really precious about it. And I get it. That's how it always is, right? But at least when you watch, like, Forrest Gump, the needle drops are like CCR and the Rolling Stones. It's like, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's like, you can't make the needle drops like a bunch of, like, pitchfork music. Like, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. That'd so. be like if, yeah, like if they made a movie about the early 2000s, like, in Beaumont, and I was like, time to put on my headphones and listen to the Woods album. Yeah, like, no. No, I was no. listening to the White Stripes. No. Yeah, and that's and the same thing. It's like, even though I thought I listened to, like, indie music when I was in high school, I was listening no. to Arcade Fire. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> like, come on. It's, like, not that Arcade popular. Fire and the Decemberist and, like, the, like, the Crane Wife I, You know what? That's what I'm not ready for is in the 2030s when 2000s comes back. Uh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going <laughs> to walk out that's when snowstorm. That's when people in our age group are going to start really being, like, the big directors making movies. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> we are so long in this episode, but we have to talk about it. So I feel like we like skipped the early two thousands. So I feel like we were gonna kind of we were in your like as cultural references. We were like Aaliyah, yes, and like Missy, like, sort of like and that kind of like when the XX took over, and then we just went to Paramore. No, I agree with you. I think that the the reason why is that in people's minds, the late 90s and the early 2000s are the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of gets lumped into, like, the Y2K aesthetic. Yeah. So I feel like I hear people say, like, oh, Destiny's Child was, like, a 90s band. I'm like, well, yeah, they started in the 90s. Yeah, like, but like, barely. But, like, they're, they were at their height, like, in, like, 2003 or, like, 
Yeah, like, I feel like people will bring up groups, and I'm like, but that's, like, I don't consider that fully 90s. I consider that, like, 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the issue. It's, like, basically the moment that, like, Sync and Backstreet Boys came out, like, from mm-hmm. 1998 or 7 to 2003, people see that, I think, as, like, a full-on era. As, yeah. as the late like, 90s, even though it's not. It's, like, the last year and a half in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And then, yeah. And then, and then it jumps into, like, the emo pop punk MySpace mm-hmm. moment, and I think that is where what the that's ended up being the cultural, the American cultural consciousness of like what the 2000s are to people, yeah, which makes sense, you know. Like, I get it, mm-hmm. it was a moment and it lasted and it's still lasting, yeah. Like, not only do people in our age group still like like that music and care, but like apparently, like teenagers to this day still like worship, like taking back Sunday, My Chemical Romance, like those that's albums wild. that we grew up with, like, it, that's it, wild. it's a full on, like, like Hot Topic still sells. Like oh, shirts that we wore 15 years ago. You know? Ugh. Like, that's nuts. Insanity. Anyway, back to the day after tomorrow. Day after um, tomorrow. <laughs> so, I didn't see Don't Look Up, but... Yeah. Like, but you watched it, I'm assuming. Yes. So, like, what are your thoughts on the way Don't Look Up kind of handled, like, the climate crisis at, in, in in the... Uh, I mean, it's a comedy, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a, a comedy. Way yeah. Tone. It's, like, different tone. And it's also, like, it's more, like... It's, like, the first 10 minutes of uh, Day After Tomorrow. I think... I don't know. Dan tomorrow is so much more hopeful. That's like we could get together, we could, and then just and like make it work. You know, weather the storm. You know, literally speaking. Whereas like, don't look up is very like pessimistic. It's like we're not going to do anything. We're it's going to be bad. We're all going to die. The movie, if, spoiler for if you haven't seen this movie, but the movie ends with everyone dying. It ends so with the a lot of people seem to really hate this movie. What was your takeaway? I thought it was fine. So fine. why do people dislike it? Is, is it is it the 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 tone, the pessimistic tone, or do you think is it or is it one of those like idiocracy kind of things where it's like it's a little like the filmmaker seems a little like pompous about the whole thing? It's that it's the yeah. latter. Okay. Yeah, it feels that's like what I, idiocracy. That's what I assumed. Yeah, uh, idiocracy is always. Right. I mean, we got to do idiocracy one. See, day, I don't uh, like idiocracy either because so again, bad. it's that same thing where it's like straight white men think that they got it all figured out. It's like very Joe yeah. Rogan experience to me. Where it's mm-hmm. like you think you're so much smarter than everybody else because you like see like how everyone is just stupid yeah. and watches reality TV. Yeah. And I'm just like Ugh, Unlike okay. me. I'm cool uh, Yeah, the, the end of the world is that we all like Gatorade and watching fucking real housewives. Like fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Well the thing the also the kind of the thing about it is that Jennifer Lawrence is this sort of like punching bag and she actually has like the more interesting arc in that like she is kind of like the co scientist that like discovered she's like a PhD student and everyone like makes fun of her like because she comes across this like insane person like on TV, and then she just goes insane, and it's like, yeah, that's what I would do. I would if I were like in her position, and like the world didn't listen to me, I would immediately snap and lose my mind. Yeah, it just feels like don't look up based on what you're saying. What other people are, are talking about is it's less about like addressing the climate problem and more like exploiting the fact that everyone in this country is really stupid because of yeah. like obsessed with social media and like celebrities and things like yeah. that. And I just think that that's such like a boring take. Personally. It's so boring. Cause it's I, not addressing the climate change is addressing, addressing the climate change. It's like, sure. Like we've criticized on our pod, even like the modern age that we live in, but at the end of the day, like we've always been obsessed with whatever the term celebrity would have been 300 years mm-hmm. ago, but that that has always been around. Mm-hmm. Like there's always been class divides. There's always been people that would rather exploit resources than care about the long term. Like that's literally humanity, baby. Like that's so also I, it's in the beginning of the day after tomorrow. Like these right. aren't new ideas. No, like, yeah, this, exactly. Like, this is happening that, on like a bigger scale than Don't Look Up, and and that was and then fucking five hundred million dollars in box office. Like a trillion people saw this movie, and it said the exact same things, but it was more fun. 
Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't know. I just think it makes people feel smart when they watch a movie like that. Like, like, oh, this is what I think. And I'm like, okay, so if we all collectively think that our culture is poisoned and that we need to care more about the climate problem, then why aren't we doing anything about it? Boring. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so easy for you to make like a $10 million movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence in it. Like, like telling us we're all stupid when in actuality mm-hmm. it's like, well, you're wasting a bunch of resources to make this stupid fucking movie. So yeah. why don't you donate to the fucking climate organization or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, why don't you? Why don't we try to like tax our fucking billionaires? It's, yeah, uh, no, I know, and it, it's fine. Again, like I don't want to sound like my own version of pompous about it, but I just think mm-hmm. that like I that's why I like the day after tomorrow because it's like at least you're making a movie with a big budget where the 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 message is like is maybe if something bad happened we would all band together like maybe mm-hmm. like. It like sounds horrible to say this, but I think the, the movie suggests that maybe like a big storm would be a great equalizer. And then we would all mm-hmm. kind of like wake up, like maybe it would take that. And then, but the, if it did happen, it could, it could, we could make it work. And I feel like I don't like movies that play with like disaster and the world ending. And it's very like, we're all stupid. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's like, I liked that humanity seemed good. Like the VP was a perfect example of that it reminded me of trying to Busan actually, where it's mm-hmm. like you've this character who's like a narcissistic piece of shit that's not listening to anybody because he's just like doesn't want to believe that he just has to give up oil to like save the world. And then at the end of the movie, he like admits that he's wrong. It's like, yeah, sure, it's unrealistic, but it's just nice to see that. It's nice yeah. to see a movie where like that fantasy can come true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like that's going to change more people's minds, hopefully, about these kinds of issues than like don't look up basically pointing the finger and being like, you're an idiot. Yeah, and I feel like Day After Tomorrow is, like, still this sort of very cultural touchstone when we talk about, like, End of the World. Like, Day After Tomorrow, like, everyone kind of knows what that means. It's like, oh, yeah, the like, End of the World due to the climate crisis. I feel like, like that, like, this and, like, Independence Day are, like, his two most sort of, like, shorthand movies. Um, and they're both his best movies. Yeah. Right. They were, yeah. I think that the problem is, like we said, like, people get so caught up in scientific inaccuracies in movies. Um, and maybe that's something that Roland Emmerich might want to, like, look into you know it's like maybe yeah. if you tried a little <laughs> harder to do some research and like make your movies make more sense people would take you more oh, seriously this is the second draft of the script yeah but i guess <laughs> like that's why i like it it's like he somehow is able to do camp and have a hopeful message at the end and yeah. it's like that's a really hard thing to do and i guess most people thought he failed at it but i thought it worked i thought it was great also okay so here is so when people talk about we should sort of like take marvel slash superhero movies more considerably and more seriously critically and in the world and like um they should be nominated for oscars like above the line oscars like that i actually want the reverse to be true and then i want more movies to be treated like superhero movies and like kind of brush away like shit that doesn't make sense right i feel like when there's a criticism of like any sort of superhero movie it's like they're like well yada yada they have superheroes and it's like okay so on the you have you've established a baseline of like none of this is real and this is fake and we can do whatever we want in movies so why not do it elsewhere? <laughs> like, why not? Like, who fucking cares if shit's wrong in Dead or Tomorrow? It's not real. Right. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, fake. I agree. I agree. I And I, I, I do think my biggest... And so that's so funny because I do think we accidentally just did a gay movie because I would consider a very straight thing to write off a movie because it's not scientifically accurate. Like, I think yeah. that that is some... Like, the historically inaccurate and scientifically inaccurate thing is such a straight boy trait. Oh, it's yeah. like, why it's, do you care? It's a fucking it, movie. It doesn't It's meant matter. to be entertaining, or at least this yes. one is meant to be entertaining. It's not meant to be, like, yes. thought-provoking beyond, like, wow, like... Climate change sucks. Climate change sucks, and maybe we should do something about it. It's like, yeah. Roland Denmark is a king. I love him. We, we stand. Uh, why do straight people like this movie? 
Um, explosions. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of explosions. There's a lot, There's a lot of, destruction. of destruction. And people like street people love destruction of property. Oh yeah. Oh, you get to see everything destroyed. You get to does he, okay. In that scene where they're walking from, from Philadelphia to Manhattan, does they fall into a mall? Yes. Is that what he goes into? Yeah, okay, I think cool. so. Yeah. Imagine malls. dying in a mall. Oh, please, that's where I want to go. Like, I would ugh, love that. Cut off the rope and like <laughs> fall right into a Victoria's Secret. Okay, here we go. So we're like in I don't know. We go Mall of America or something. We're on our Straight People Movies tour, and I get killed by. Uh, an assassin i want you to hold me in the center of the mall like the end of uh blowout and cameras and uh, jesus can have his phone instagram living it just cameras surrounding me and us as absolutely. i'm dying yeah thank you absolutely that's, that's so i want to go happen for you thank you wow that's like that's even more like iconic than candy darling's uh i'm dying photo shoot good for you <laughs> It's look. This is the second week in a row we've done Candy Dark. I know she's really <laughs> been on my, on my mind recently. He's just um, like, but there's someone who can take care of me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Um, Dennis Quaid is one of our straighter actors. Although, like, I was looking I at his know, like, because like in Far From Heaven. Ooh. See, whenever she walks in, on Dennis him. Quaid is a gay guy favorite because you got Roland Emmerich cast him in this Todd mm-hmm. Haynes cast him in Far From Heaven as a gay mm-hmm. man like Dennis Quaid is hot he is one Dennis of our so hot, hot dads Nora Ephron cast him in The Parent Trap yep and he's hot in that too hot in that and he's from Houston we love Houston yeah he's really hot I think that like Dennis Quaid I don't know I, I don't know if he's like a, a beloved straight actor I he I seems mean, to kind of just like be like kind of floating there he the seems center. like kind of like if you can't get you know um What's his Tom name? Hanks. What's Tom Hanks? Not Tom Hanks. Who's the guy in um, Yellowstone? Girl, <laughs> that show know. on Paramount. Is it uh, Kevin? Kevin. Kevin Costner. Kevin there Costner. we go. You feel like if you can't get Kevin Costner, you get Dennis Quaid. And I think Dennis Quaid's hotter than Kevin Costner. I would say so too. Yeah. Yeah. He's very sexy. He's um, so sexy. So good in postcards from the edge. Oh, I've not seen the movie in forever. That's like so fucking good. The book is it. so good too. Um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have any like I don't, I don't say like any like iconic iconic roles. No, he doesn't. Someone he can use him. Someone I mean, he's gonna get one of those like late best supporting actor Oscars in his like seventies. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna go Christopher Plummer on us. Yeah, I was gonna say he's gonna get what what's his face? Come on, come on, Mike Nichols. Nope, no, nope, Mike Nichols is definitely dead. Mike Mills. Mike Mills. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's going to get an Quaid. Alan Arkin Oscar. He's going to get a, a Christopher yeah. Palmer Oscar one day. Honestly, Roland Emmerich, tone it down. Make a mel- I want Roland Emmerich to make his Far From Heaven. Oh, my God. Imagine. And you well, imagine. he can't write characters, so that'd be No, everyone's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also think it's I, – I feel like the the characterizations of this movie are very straight in the sense of, like, all of the characters are heroes. And I feel like straight men watch uh-huh. these kinds of movies and go, like, that's the way I would be. I would also, like, do the right thing and stand uh-huh. up and, you yeah. know. And it's Amy like, Rossum. No, no, you wouldn't. You would be the guy that led everyone out into the snow to freeze to death. <laughs> Once the, I would be the guy who pays $200 to the bus driver to drown in the bus. Honestly, that's all of us. I'd say 90% of us are pay the bus driver and die on the bus. <laughs> when he gets like ran over underwater by like the ship Beautiful. like just to like really like hone in on like these people died don't yeah. be those people 
and you like see the wolves swim down. Um, what? Okay, this movie does the same thing that Titanic does, which is uh, everything is paid off. Everything is set up and paid off. Yeah, except there is a plot hole. Not a plot hole, but Wait, there's like what did I miss? an untied. That guy's little brother. What oh, happened yeah. to that guy's little brother? He he's like, oh, the... my little brother's in Philly. I hope he's he okay. Was, he and was then in the mall. We don't know. We don't. Yeah, he was in the mall. Like, we don't know what happened <laughs> to that guy's little brother. Could you? Could you? So not only did Jake get the girl over that guy, but the guy's brother died too. So he doesn't get to bang Amy <laughs> Rossum, and his little brother died. Damn. Yeah. Damn. 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 This movie is bleak. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what's so fun about the movie. That's why it's camp. Is it's like so many bleak things happen, and the end of the movie is Dennis Quaid smiling at his son while Emmy Rossum has her head on his shoulder. That's the strangest thing about this movie. Yes, ma'am. But it's also like hetero. It's also very like gay man riding hetero. Yeah, and that's let's get into the gay part. Of this because movie, honestly, because this is a gay mama. movie. We fucked up this week. We fucked up. We this fucked up this movie. week. This is a gay movie. Roland Emmerich cannot write for the hetero voice and it's and it's it's a subtle thing but like when you listen to it you're like oh straight people don't talk like this no no straight people don't they people don't, don't talk, talk like this roland have you met a person <laughs> my t- i wrote down my two favorite like obviously okay so i feel like real quick we should try to be have you ever tried to take your hetero voice like what is what my hetero what voice your, yes what is what it's is like your hetero um voice? God. It's always embarrassing. Uh, you can't you do see it because it's a podcast. Well, also like, we did all flip we, his hair. We all have a hetero voice, but it's way easier to do it when you're just having to do it, like at a gas station or like when a mechanic yeah. comes to your house. <laughs> um, but like, uh-huh. I feel like yeah. it's like I'm like, oh, like I just like talk like deeper. Yeah. Uh huh. And I'm very like, oh yeah, yeah. The 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 fibrillator, the carburetor. Uh, yeah, the carburetor. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. Huh. And I say things like, I appreciate that. Like I appreciate. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I'll be like, oh, pardon me, pardon, pardon. I, I'm like, pardon, pardon, ex- excuse me, pardon me. Pardon I, me. I feel like me. it's just lower and I have phrases that are like straight. Yeah. Like, I, I remember I, one time I was doing an improv class and a teacher was like, don't get offended at what I'm about to ask you. Um, he was straight. And then he eventually got like disbanded from the theater. Long story. Um, but he's like, don't get offended. But I want you to try this next scene as a straight person. And I was like, you asked the only gay who wouldn't get offended by that. Ding, ding, ding. Jackpot. Right. No, 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 I didn't hear yours. <laughs> oh, and so I just think it was a lot of just... Uh, <laughs> it's so funny because it's it. so clearly that we're both putting on a voice. Like, it's like I not know. good. <laughs> we're just but, like, no, but sorry, continue, continue. It was a lot of just like me. I would like start the scene like, uh, hello, brother. Um, how are you doing today? Are you having a great time at the park i don't know whatever and i did this that, that's my straight voice yeah it's just like you bring it down and you're more monotone yeah right? uh and then at the end he was like why are you so angry and you're scene? like i'm playing a straight person i was like yeah so like, straight people are mad to me they're all mad all the time what are you talking about what yeah you- they're all mad all the time it's so that's annoying the thing. yeah it's terrible um but roland emmerich the opposite so there's two i took them two two big examples sorry I took two examples uh, that stuck out to me. They were both reporters speaking these lines, but they came across as so fucking like Harvey Firestein, like, yes, whenever he said it. So, like, one of the reporters in Los Angeles says, the Hollywood sign is gone. It's just shredded. <laughs> shredded. <laughs> shredded. Yeah, no straight man would say shredded. No, no, yeah, I would describe <laughs> disaster as shredded. Like, I, I think a straight man would go, the Hollywood sign, it's gone. It's been destroyed. It's been destroyed. It's been destroyed. They would think it's shredded. It's just shredded. It's just, girl, she's dead. It reminds me of this time that my ex-boyfriend said (laughs) that 
that he had to get rid of his like table because the wood was rot. And he goes, we have to get rid of this table. The wood is rot. Like it's <laughs> rot. And I'm just like, I feel like only a gay man would be like, the wood is rot. It's rot. Yeah, Shaver said the wood. The Shaver said the wood has rotten. Yeah, the, the, like, the wood is, is rot. It's, the wood is, the wood is rot. Like this noun is, is a, another noun now. It's just rot. <laughs> it's rot. Like I um, love it. But uh, yeah, and, that's and a good in one. New York, there was another reporter who said Lower Manhattan is inaccessible. 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 Inac- so many. S- so many. Yeah. So many s's. Inaccessible. Inaccessible. If any of you straight listeners are listening to this and are trying to emulate this, you're homophobic. You're homophobic. If you, yeah, do not. Actually, it'd be hilarious. Straight people, straight people, send actually, us DMs. Yeah. I want to send us DMs you. of you saying inaccessible, inaccessible, in your best gay voice, inaccessible, and just shredded, just shredded. <laughs> um, oh other God. gay stuff about this movie: the president's hot. The president's We've hot and looks this. like George W. Bush. Yes, he's so hot. <laughs> so hot. He looks like a hot mix between Bush and Pence. It's incredible. Yeah, it's really. Who is that actor? He's hot. <laughs> I'm, uh, Dennis Quaid is hot in this movie. Dennis and hot. Yeah. You know that this movie was directed by a gay man because, and I know this is so specific, but like, I just, I, it's gay coding. Like, mm-hmm. in movies, when a man is asleep, they're always wearing a shirt, boxers, and socks. Yep. And Roland Emmerich is like, that's not how people sleep because it's true. They don't. Correct. And Dennis Quaid is shirtless and barefoot mm-hmm. and just wearing mm-hmm. like tight little boxers. And I'm just like, <sighs> Thank Roland, you, Roland, thank you, Roland. Thank you for showing us Dennis Quaid's hot dad body and his cute feet. Thank oh you, thank God. you, thank you. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal's haircut Great. is giving a la, like, the strokes. Love mm-hmm. it. Very. Oh, you know he was going to try to go to, like, he was going to drive to Brooklyn to go see the strokes elsewhere or something. Oh, totally. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, honestly, this might be his peak hotness. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. this movie is, like, he was still, like, in his early 20s, and he looks... Beautiful. He is so hot in this movie. It's distracting. It is really unfair. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is so just fucking just god damn it. Yeah, he's very very attractive in this movie, and I just feel like Roland Emmerich and Joel Schumacher did the same thing um, as a gay blockbuster director, where it's like you just cast like the hottest men possible in your mm-hmm. movie. Chris O'Donnell in the Batman movies like Ugh. had no business being there. He's such a bad actor, but he is such so beautiful. And I just feel like you, that's what you get with these directors that you just don't get. Like, straight men cast Bruce Willis. I mean, Bruce Willis can be hot, but you get what I'm getting at. Did you see Bruce Willis is in, like, eight movies last year? Good for him. I'm glad that he's still rocking. rocking. I, I like Bruce. Yeah, I'm he's a Bruce cool. fan. We, yeah. And but, then, yeah, I just house. feel like they're more into, like, the rugged thing. Like, straight guys are like, I'm going to cast a rugged, bald guy mm-hmm. as the lead. And then Roland Emmerich and Joel Schumacher, I'm going to cast someone with great hair. <laughs> um, I'm gonna cast somebody a soft character actor, soft a soft character actor that doesn't get cast enough, mm-hmm. and then we're, we're gonna make the son like the hottest new like Twinkie actor, like that's gay, like that's gay behavior. So okay, so it's like he did Far from Heaven in 2002, and then Cold Creek Manor. I don't know, but it looks interesting. Oh, Cold Creek Manor, I've seen that because it's like I watched any thriller that came out in the 2000s. Excuse me, this entire cast: Dennis Quaid, Sharon Stone, Stephen Dorff, Juliette Lewis, Kristen Stewart, and Christopher Plummer. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that. I I, I also watched anything Kristen Stewart was in when I was a kid because I was obsessed with her. Directed by the guy who did Leaving Las Vegas. Oh God, that's funny. Uh. Everyone tried to do a thriller in the 2000s. I don't know. I guess the Sixth Sense really just, like, kicked something off in people. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, just just keep it going with actors. Sorry. And just keep it going with actors. Celia Ward. Mama. Celia Ward. 
Gorgeous. Gorgeous. She, she's like a knockoff Jean Triplehorn. <laughs> yeah. She is. She fully is. Um, yeah. She's incredible. And her whole thing, she just wants to get Peter to an ambulance. And I feel like her thing, like, resolves, like, minute 50 in the movie. Well, my favorite thing about the movie, <laughs> my favorite camp factor about the movie is that everything's resolved super quickly. It's like, I've been a couple of days and there's an entire refugee camp set up in Mexico. I'm like, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Roland, you're funny. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we would just really get this shit all, like, together this quickly. Girl... <laughs> There was a snowstorm in Texas last year and the world's not ending and they did a terrible job trying to fix all that shit. Let alone the whole world is like being destroyed and we somehow are able to set up refugee camps in a foreign country. Fuck it. In three days. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not going to happen, sis. Um, Pseudoscience, that's gay. It's so gay. Like, we don't care. I don't care. Let it be known. We're speaking for all gay people. We don't give a fuck. No, I don't know. If shit happens, if weather happens to me, that's because God wanted it to happen. Yeah. Honestly, if no one had told me that this day after tomorrow was unrealistic, I probably would believe everything that's happened. Like, that could happen. <laughs> For real? Like, I'm so gullible. I think gay men are, like, so gullible. We're just like, oh, yeah, same. sure. Like, I'll, say, I'll believe it. Yeah, science. Oh, I get all my information from Wikipedia. I'll believe literally anything. Oh, I, I literally, there was a hoax a couple of years ago that mermaids existed, and I believed it. Oh. Well, it's like, remember how a couple of years ago there was that, like, video of they, like, recreated the voice from a mummy? And they're like, it can only make one note. And somebody, somebody put like a death grips, like, in it. And I was like, that's what mummies sound like. Mummies yep. sound like death grips. Yep, exactly. I, but actually well, I wasn't went, aware of that, but I would have also believed it. It's hilarious. Look at you know what? Because it's called whimsy, people. It's, it's called having a sense of whimsy. Okay. We and live it's with just our like, little cartoon lines. I like living in a world where I believe that fairies are real and that fairies come first. Yeah. Once again, none of this is real. We can believe whatever we want to believe in. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's of, a fun way to live. I mean, it's, it's we're depressed, but it's fun. Speaking of the funnest way to live possible, what's our gay recommendation this week? There is only one obvious answer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, have we recommended this before? No, I went through everything. We haven't recommended this. Wow, we went through every single one of our episodes before. to the end. I went to the no, – we, we write everything down. Um, although I did miss a couple. So we may have – I doubt that we suggested mother – on our Wayne's World episode. Um, but Mother, come on. Mother. Mother. Because it's mother. another it's another parable about Mother Earth being mm-hmm. destroyed. Except and instead of it being about pseudoscience, it's about, it's an analogy. Mm-hmm. Remember, the metaphors are straight. No, 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 we did say analogies were, no. Oh, fuck. We're contradicting uh, ourselves again. Because I think wait. we said in one episode that analogies were, were straight and metaphors were gay. We're just going to say know. that Mother's a metaphor. Mother's a metaphor. It's a Mother's metaphor. metaphor. I mean, I have read different interpretations. I've read, I mean, the correct interpretation is that it's uh, the Bible. There's also... Um, Aronofsky's interpretation Earth. is the most boring one. It's the most boring one. I like the one that's about... Um, uh, it's actually a metaphor for fame. I love that. The, the fame love. was what I got out of it when I saw it. After the movie, I thought it was a, an analogy about an artist who's exploiting his muse and then gaining all the benefits from it while she suffers. That's what I thought Mm -hmm. the movie was about. And I I honestly think that that interpretation is way more interesting than it's about the Bible. Yeah. Watch mother. It's incredible. It's a masterpiece. Five stars. Yeah. Uh, Everyone was wrong about that movie, but luckily I feel like people are already turning around on it like pretty quickly. I feel like it's already like, it's only been like five years and people are already like, nah, we were wrong about that one. We were wrong. No, no. Because it's like, it like it's like oh like you don't want more big budget weird movies like yeah it's like 
Come on, more, people. You want sp- sp- Spider-Man Far From Home? Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, that is what you all want. That's what that's all you're going to get. You want more Encanto? Yes. Actually, we do want more Encantos. <laughs> Give us more Encanto. We're going to make a um, don't look up about how you all like Marvel movies and you're <laughs> done for liking them. <laughs> There's a meteor coming to Earth, and it's just filled with DVD copies of, like, Mother and... Like notes on a scandal. A twenty four lookbooks. Just, yeah, <laughs> the Blu-ray of Lamb, um, <laughs> and we're gonna be like, look, magic's coming. Like art is coming toward us. And you're gonna be like, no, it's not. Let's destroy the meteor, and then you're gonna destroy it. And then we're like, let's go see Venom five. Yeah, exactly. And then try to convince me that Venom is a gay movie. Actually, I think it is. I haven't seen it. I don't know. We're just deciding. it probably is. We're just deciding now. Um, is there anything else we got left? This is a long episode, baby. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about a lot. We actually talked a lot about the day after tomorrow and a lot about other bullshit. <laughs> so <laughs> this was one of our most one. maximalist episodes. I love it. You're welcome, it. everyone. You're welcome. Um, my name is Dylan Garcia. You can find me on Twitter at Dylan Garcia, on Instagram at Garcia, and on Letterboxd at Garcia. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and you can find me on Litterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter at K-R-K-V-N-S-C-K-L-E. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you've got that option on whatever platform you're using, please give us uh, a nice five-star rating, maybe a little Uh review, and tell your friends about us. Yes, please. It's more fun with more friends. Yeah, we don't have any of those, so it would be nice to make some. Yes, let us know. Um, we're going to be on TikTok soon, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah, some TikTok content, yeah, bitches. TikTok con- we're getting in we're with those Zoomers. Out. Yes, we are. We're very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, bye, y'all. Bye. Uh, bye. Then out came talk. Talk. Talk.